Welcome to the Let's Talk Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Robert Smith, along with my co-host, Adam Stellman. And today we'll be discussing our preview for the Week 14 game against the Carolina Panthers. Adam, let's talk Seahawks. Yeah, busy week for us. We actually have two games. So we've got this week or this Sunday, and then we'll be previewing our Thursday game shortly after. Uh, we won last week, which was good. I, I think it was still somewhat disappointing because of what the, the final score was and considering the team that we were going up against. But we got away with the win. You know, it's another week where we got to take a look at our, our defense and see what didn't work and why, uh, which is maybe going to be the theme of the rest of the year. Yeah, uh, for me, I went back, I watched the game. It was a good game offensively. I liked the way things were clicking. Once again, it's not really a game where you can analyze too much of the play calling because we didn't have a running back. They threw what they could in there, but sort of threw a wrench in the whole offensive scheme. Defensively, we definitely have things to work on. There's no reason that that version of that team should have done that well against our defense. But they're working on it. They're ironing it out. I don't have a lot to say on last week. Just thankful that we came away with that game-winning drive to close it out. I will say, though, that shout-out to you... Seahawks Nation out there, because Jordan Brooks and Tariq Woolen are leading the NFL in their respective positions for Pro Bowl votes with the fan vote, which I believe is open until December 15th. So vote early and vote often. I will say one quick thought again last week, and I know we need to move on really quick. I just want to say it is somewhat encouraging to see that our offense can still put up points albeit against a bad defense, when we don't have an effective run game. So that's something. That means that at least we we are clicking somewhere in the offense, but clearly we need an effective run game. Yes. Well, all football teams need an effective run game, or as the Air Raid has, pass plays that act like a run game. So there's a little news that is pertinent to us in the NFC West, and that was... The Carolina Panthers granted Baker Mayfield's request to be released. He is highly respected in that organization. They thought he was a great teammate. He thought it would be better for his career if he got an opportunity to start over again. The team wanted to get a look at Sam Darnold as he came back from injury. And they were open with that with Baker Mayfield. So he thought it would be best if he had a chance to start over. The team granted that, released him. One team in the NFL put in a waiver claim on him, and that was the Los Angeles Rams. I thought it might have been the 49ers after Garoppolo's injury, but it was the Rams. Initially, I thought that they put in that waiver claim to keep the Niners from getting sort of some chess moves there within the division. An active defense move, yeah. Yeah, but he came in, played with only two days being with the team, Thursday Night Football. We're recording this podcast on Friday. That game honestly was a trash game until the fourth quarter. That fourth quarter, Rams came alive. Baker Mayfield showed that he was able to lead a team and lead them down the field. Final game-winning drive, 98 yards in a minute and a half. That was a thing of beauty. And I have to give Baker Mayfield all the credit for what he was able to do only having the playbook for a short amount of time, but also credit to their offensive coaching staff for being able to get him there and call plays that he was able to successfully execute. And then the other players on the offense being able to bring him in and get all those 
checks and reads and protections and alert calls, everything squared away so everybody's on the same page. Uh, shout out to the Rams. That was a phenomenal coaching job and a great individual effort by Baker Mayfield and a good team dynamic that he walked into. Yeah, I mean, I, if you just think about it, it's pretty crazy that he, he literally got the playbook on Monday, was on a flight Tuesday with the team Tuesday, Wednesday, and then played Thursday. Start, well, not I guess he did not technically start, I apologize. But to play like he did, I mean, I have a few issues with some of the uh, officiating that happened, especially on that last drive. But not only did he know the playbook well enough to call out the plays, he was calling audibles on the line of scrimmage in that last that last drive. And that's just insanely impressive for a guy that's had the playbook for two days. I have a question for the NFL. How can you continue to be so consistently inconsistent when it comes to officiating? And that's just not game to game. I mean, in games. Uh, and I think that it was on display uh, last night uh, in the final drive, Still great drive by the Rams. 98 yards is a long way to go, and they got the score, and they won. And I'm happy that they got the win. We wanted them to win because uh, that helps out our draft picks. But their right tackle uh, was getting blown up all game by Max Crosby, and he was getting pretty consistently called for holding uh, during the game. First three quarters, pretty consistent. And even in the fourth quarter, that last drive, if you go back and watch Max Crosby, he's getting clotheslined by that right tackle every single play and not a single flag was thrown, uh, which I don't mind sometimes because I do think that the, I, I don't want the officiating to change uh, the game so much that, that it uh, it could take away a drive like that. But they'd been consistently calling it for the first three quarters. And then that last drive, they were just like, nah, we're just going to let them play, which I would love it if that was the case for the entire game. But it wasn't. So it was just it was a little jarring to see. And they pointed it out a couple of times on the broadcast and certainly pointed it out uh, during the post game on Amazon. But yeah, still great drive. And congratulations, Baker. I do think we need to talk about how this affects not only the Seahawks going forward, but also the Broncos, because the Rams will be playing the Broncos in a couple of weeks. And if we, of course, we want the Broncos to lose, that that's, can only help our draft picks from them. Uh, but I think this may have made it more likely that that happens, uh, even without uh, all their stars on offense. If Baker can lead the team to any kind of scoring, we know that statistics, or at least the numbers say that they don't need to score much to beat the Broncos this year. Uh, 18 points or more, and they're good. So this is this is something to watch. Uh, you know, Baker remains the starter. This could be an interesting game against the Broncos. Yeah, and it is of note that the Broncos lost last week. And then the Rams just won in that early game this week. So pending the outcome of the Broncos game against Kansas City, which odds makers have Kansas City as a heavy favorite, we could definitely see the Broncos sliding back in the standings, which definitely makes our draft pick from them that much better. So Kansas City, get the job done. Then we need some help from our friends. The Broncos play the Cardinals and then the Rams. <clears throat> so that's the league news. Do we have any team news? We do have some team news. So right off the bat, let's give a shout out to Tyler Lockett for his second consecutive year being the team nominee for the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award. This is probably my favorite award that the NFL gives out. I think it speaks to the qualities that you want to see in a professional athlete being engaged in the community, working with causes, doing what they can to give back and be a role model. 
which I think these guys should be. I mean, they're playing a game. They're engaging with their audience. So congratulations to Tyler Lockett. This is one of those rare awards that is not about the game. It's about the individual and what they do outside of the NFL or, or outside of what they do on the field. And Lockett's one of those guys, I mean, anybody that that's heard him talk or knows much about him, he's not your typical diva wide receiver. This man is a very humble guy. Uh, he's also very artistic, poetic, and just a great dude. Um, and I think it, it, it speaks volumes that this is his second year that the team's nominated. I, I love that he's taking over that kind of a leadership role uh, because it was two years ago, it was Russell Wilson not only being nominated, but winning that award for the team. Yeah, we have some other news, some not so happy news. I know not everybody is aware that the Seattle Seahawks have a team dog and his name was Turf. Well, unfortunately, Turf, the, the team dog, uh, passed away recently of cancer. And you used to see him out at practice or videos that they had of practice, interacting with the players, interacting with fans when those practices, like during training camp when they're open. And uh, he was out there running around and then had some health challenges, actually ended up getting one of his front legs amputated, but that didn't slow him down. He was three-legged dog out there hopping around, having fun. So rest in peace, turf. The rest of the season's for you. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, I, I think it's a little bit cheesy when you say, hey, go out there and win this game for, you know, whoever. But I do hope that the players and, and the team can internalize this and use this as motivation for the rest of the year uh, uh, just to make Turf proud, I guess. And then uh, in a press conference, Pete Carroll said that Jonathan Abram is going to be up to speed, came in, you know, to the team midway through the week last week, was inactive for last game, which I expected. But he should be good to go up to speed with the defense. If they need him, he'll be able to contribute. But also, John Radigan, coming back from an injury last year, he's been able to practice with the team the last few weeks. Got officially activated, I think, a week and a half ago. But he is good to go. Pete Carroll said he's ready to contribute to the team, and he expects him to be out there positively contributing to the team. So I'm excited to see Radigan and get our first look at Abram, possibly. With with Josh Jones going on IR, that opens up a safety spot, obviously, on the roster. I think that Abrams is going to come right in and kind of be that big thumper in our safety package. So whether we have him out there on three safety packages or on obvious running downs, uh, I do expect that we're going to see him play at least a few on this uh, in this next game. This man was a former first-round pick, and if any team can unlock whatever potential he may still have in him, uh, this is the this is the team. Yeah, I'm excited to see what both those guys can do. The Seahawks made some transactions this week. They placed the aforementioned safety Josh Jones on injured reserve. So he is officially done for at least four weeks before he can come back. And then due to the plethora of injuries at running back, the team signed running back Wayne Gallman to the practice squad, who has a little bit of success here in Seattle. Because Seattle is where he has his career-high 130-yard rushing game. And then the corresponding move is they released defensive lineman Jared Hewitt from the practice squad in order to open up that spot for Gallman to come in. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I, we've seen Wayne Goldman be a, a semi-effective runner. I, I say semi. He's been an effective runner several times uh, in the past when he was playing for the Giants. Uh, he was able to step in when Saquon Barkley went down before uh, and it, it, and put on some semblance of a running game for the Giants. Although I'm still a little bit disappointed because Alex Collins is just sitting out there, guys. That does beg the question now. With, with Goldman coming in, uh, it's I would be willing to bet that tomorrow he's going to get elevated to the active roster. And I say that because if we look at the Seahawks injury report coming out this week, uh, we've got a few injured running backs. Yes, we do. The injury report was chock full of players this week. Some of that was rest. Some of that were guys still kind of recovering from stuff we had going on last week. But as it all shook out on Friday, we got our game status as far as injuries go. And we had five players on the injury report but all five of them were in the questionable category. So, as far as questionable for the game, we have wide receiver DK Metcalf, who's dealing with a hip issue. Pete Carroll said it was during practice. He felt, quote, something in his hip. I don't know if that was pop, discomfort, what it was, but now he's on the injury report nursing a hip injury. Safety Ryan Neal with that knee injury. Pete Carroll said he's good to go. So. He's officially listed as questionable, but I think this is questionable with a big thumbs up next to it. Tight end Will Disley with a calf injury. I'd really hate for Will Disley not to be able to get out there. Obviously, if he's unable to go, you want him to rest up and heal up faster. But I love a good blocking tight end, and he's a guy who can block and then finish in the pass game as well. So let's hope Will Disley can go. And now we get to our running backs. We have two running backs officially listed on our game status report. And that's running back Kenneth Walker and running back DJ Dallas. Both guys are dealing with ankle injuries. Both injuries were suffered during the game last week. Pete Carroll said that both of these guys are going to be game time decisions. This is the old, they're going to suit up, go out there for warmups, and we're going to see how it feels. So who knows who's going to be the starting running back. I'm looking for them to elevate a running back from the practice squad. We'll see, just you need to have some depth there. I mean, it's good that all five of these players are listed as questionable, but there are some big names on that list. Yeah, I mean, it's not something you want to see going into a game with this many guys, especially this many starters listed on your injury report. Um, but hopefully they're all going to be good to go and we won't have to worry about this come game time. Uh, but if we do end up having to worry about this, I think the thing to watch is really going to be that that running back situation. Look, we've seen Travis Homer come in and be effective in the run game, but our run game has gotten less effective as the year's gone on. So there's probably multiple reasons why that's the case, but it does give you some pause knowing that we're, there's a possibility that we're going into this game without a starting running back or out without our starting running back. The Panthers uh, have a kind of a, a, a similar looking injury report. There's a few guys that were listed throughout the week, but as of Friday, they have four players that are questionable. And they've got Corey Littleton, uh, who is a starting outside linebacker for them. They also have uh, Miles Hartsfield, who is a backup free safety. Uh, Matthew Ioannidis, who is a starting defensive tackle, is questionable. Uh, and finally, Xavier Woods, their starting strong safety, is questionable. It should be mentioned that uh, P.J. Walker, their current backup quarterback, is shown as out on the ESPN depth chart. However, there is a, an injury note that says he is expected to play. Not really sure what that means. Uh, if if expected play means he's actually going to be out there for some series because we know that Sam, uh, sorry, that Sam Darnold's getting the start, or if he's just going to be suiting up to be the backup. So that's something to watch as well. 
but uh, they're coming into this relatively healthy as far as the overall team goes. And after they're coming off of a win last week uh, with Sam Darnold's first start, this could be a team that's kind of fired up. Yeah, it'll be good. Obviously, it looks like both teams are coming in relatively healthy. So it'll be a good matchup of what they have and what we have. Moving on to our five keys to success. The first one here is we need to find a run defense. We had it for a couple games and then it disappeared. I don't know if we need to have some personnel changes or if we need to split reps a little more evenly, but we need to find a run defense. Yeah, it's uh, it's been rough going the last several games for us. I mean, I think it started the the rebound to to not being effective started with the Bucks game, uh, and it's only gotten worse since then. I mean, you know, we obviously can look at the Raiders game and go, "Wow, we got burned for over 200 yards in that game." Uh, that may have been one of the worst uh, performances we've seen from this run defense. But last week wasn't that much better. Uh, the Rams have not been an effective running team. Uh, they have uh, they were pretty close to the bottom, I think 31st or somewhere around there. And as far as their run game effectiveness goes, they were able to put up a season high in running yards. Uh, the starting running back Cam Akers had over 60 yards and two touchdowns. And if we can't stop that team when we're going up against a team like the Panthers, who are pretty close to the top when it comes to their run game. I think they're over 130 yards a game is their average. The, yeah, we, we need to find some way to limit that run game. Yeah, I agree. I think we need to limit the Panthers to less than 100 yards rushing as a team. I know that's a big ask from this defense, but I think this is something we need to do in order to get our confidence back, but also to take the pressure off and make the Panthers try to beat us in the passing game. Which brings us to our second key to success, which is the defense needs to completely eliminate DJ Moore from the game. I'm talking bracket coverage, I don't care if you got to move Woolen around instead of just letting him play that one side of the field. We got to do whatever we can do. DJ Moore is probably their number one weapon on offense. We need to shut him down. Yeah, he's been, he's had kind of an up and down year, but he's been very effective with Sam Darnold in the lineup. And he was very effective last week during Sam Darnold's first start. He put up his first touchdown of the year uh, and was involved not only in the pass game, but the run game. I think what we need to do on defense is as soon as we get out there, let's identify where's DJ Moore stick somebody on him, keep them on him. And then if he happens to switch sides, have that person follow and put somebody else on him too. But yeah, if we can take him away, that is going to really limit their offense because Sam Darnold's looking for him on every passing down. Uh, he's going to be the first read. We take away his first read. It's just going to give our guys more time to get to the quarterback. Which brings us to the offensive side of the ball. Offensively for the Seahawks, our third key to success I don't know who's going to play running back, but we need to establish some sort of run game. We need that threat of the run. That will only help Geno Smith in the passing game, especially with DK Metcalf having an injury. We have to establish a running game. We've already talked about how not only has the defense gotten a little bit worse over the weeks uh, as far as effectiveness in stopping the run, but on the opposite side, we've gotten worse at establishing the run. Kenneth Walker has, I don't want to say he's hit the rookie wall because I don't know that it's necessarily been his effectiveness, his effectiveness that's changed, but we have not been able to get the run game going the last three weeks uh, and we, we need it somehow because even though it, it was nice seeing Gino be able to lead the offense when we needed to uh, with the passing game, we've got to have some kind of threat of run game. So the running game protects Gino Smith. 
because it opens up the passing game. But what we need is the offensive line to protect Geno Smith in the pocket. So that is our fourth key to success. We need to protect Geno Smith. Yeah, look, we, we no matter whether or not we can get a run game going or not, we need to give him time to pass the ball because I, I don't know that we're going to be able to have a very effective run game, which means that we're going to have to pass more. And if we pass more, we got to give Geno time in the pocket. And one of the ways we can do that, and this leads right into our fifth key to success, which we've already established may be the fifth key to success for the rest of the season, is we have to have multiple tight ends out there on every offensive drive. That doesn't mean they got to be out there for every play, but we have got to make sure that those guys are out there a lot because they can, one, help in the run game because they're great blockers, especially Kobe Parkinson and Will Disley, if he's healthy. And two, they, they, can, they can help protect Geno Smith along the line on passing downs and also giving it give him an outlet if he needs it yeah for me i want to see 60 percent of our offensive plays out of multiple tight end sets which might be easy if dk metcalf isn't 100 percent. now if you look at these position groups i'm gonna start with quarterback we always start with quarterback and i'm gonna ride with geno smith i give the position group matchup between the quarterbacks to geno smith yeah, in the battle of uh, former Jets starting quarterbacks, I think this clearly goes to Geno Smith. Now, the running back room is a different story. Obviously, with all the injuries, unknown players possibly being called up for the Seahawks, I've got to give this matchup to the Panthers. And I might look silly because who knows, Walker might play. But I'm going to give this matchup to the Panthers because they at least have a healthy running back coming into this game. Yeah, I, honestly, I might have given this this matchup to the Panthers anyway. Uh, I think it's especially with knowing the last couple of weeks how ineffective we've been in the run game, even with Kenneth Walker being healthy. So, I mean, regardless, this matchup goes to the, the Panthers this week, though. As far as the wide receivers go, I know DK Metcalf is injured. I like our wide receivers room. We're getting good news out of practice. I'm going to go wide receivers to the Seahawks in this matchup. Yeah, I, and look, if DK, if I knew DK was going to be healthy going into this game, it's really hard to argue that there's that the Seahawks don't have the advantage with two healthy number one wide receivers, which I think is what we have in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But with DK being questionable, I'm going to say this is a push. DJ Moore has been very effective the last couple of weeks, especially with Sam Darnold in the lineup. If we have to see a lot of passing in this game, I think both teams are going to put up yards. As far as the tight ends go... I've said it all year. I love our tight end room. All three of those guys impact the game. Seahawks tight ends. Yeah, unless we're going up against someone like Travis Kelsey, uh, I think our tight ends clearly have the advantage. Uh, of quick note, and I know this is a slight aside, but uh, the Panthers do have a backup tight end that Seahawks are familiar with, and that is Steven Sullivan, who is, I believe, listed at third on their depth chart. Some of the Seahawks fans might remember him from his time with the Seahawks, where he mostly played defensive end. Well, he mostly played tight end but he did line up at defensive end for us for one game. As far as the offensive line goes, I like the way our rookie tackles are playing. They've had some struggles recently, notably against the Raiders, but I think they grew from that. So I'm going to give the offensive line matchup to the Seahawks. Yeah, this is another push for me. Uh, I think it's just because of how how much trouble we've seen uh, from our uh, not only our left guard, but also center position this year. And the Panthers have a decent offensive line. They have another rookie uh, starting left tackle whose name I'm not going to butcher, uh, but they've also got uh, Austin Covert on, on right guard. He's been a fairly effective player. And Bradley Bozeman is a pretty decent center. Uh, so I'm going to say a push. I would probably give our tackles the edge, but I'm going to give their interior offensive line the edge. 
All right. I do give the Panthers defensive line the edge. I like Brian Burns, Matt Ioannidis, if he's able to go. Uh, they've got some good players there on the defensive line. I'm going to give them the, the edge in defensive line. Yeah, especially when you take into account their defensive ends. Uh, uh, Gross Matos uh, is, a, is a beast. And Shaq Thompson, of course, is a linebacker. He's a linebacker, but that, that man's in rushing more than anything else. Uh, but either way, yeah, they're, 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 we've got some guys that I think are up and coming, but right now they've got the better D-line starters. Now I'm going to give the Seahawks the edge in linebackers. I know they have decent linebackers, but I think our linebackers are going to step up this game. That's my big call. I'm going to give it to the linebackers, to the Seahawks. Ooh, man, I, I, I certainly want you to be right. Uh, they're going to have to step up if we're going to have any kind of chance of stopping this run game, but I've got to give the edge to linebacker, uh, to the Panthers. Now, our defensive backs, I also give to the Seahawks. I know they have decent corners. We have better safeties. And our corners, I think, match up skill-wise with their corners pretty favorably. So I'm going to give the whole group to the Seahawks, though I'm noting that they definitely have some great players over there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we definitely have the we, we have an overall better secondary. It is going to be interesting to see because I do think that uh, Kobe Bryant's hands are going to be full. I would imagine we're going to see DJ Moore in the slot quite a bit, uh, which is which means Kobe's uh, going to have to be on his game. But yeah, I, I do give the edge to the Seahawks. As far as special teams go, Myers is having a Pro Bowl year kicking, in my opinion, and Michael Dixon is Michael Dixon. I do like Johnny Hecker, who's their punter, but I'm giving the special teams group to the Seahawks. Johnny Hecker, a, a, a punter that the Seahawks know well uh, from his time with the Rams. But yeah, I, I'm Michael Dixon. and Give me Jason Myers and Michael Dixon all day, every day, twice on Sunday. All right. So that was our position matchups. Adam, what's your prediction for the game? Ugh, this one's a tough one, uh, but I do think that we're going to be able to put some points on the board. Uh, which means the, the Panthers are going to have to pass to keep up with us, even though I do think they're probably going to have a better day running the football. Uh, but I think this is going to be a fairly high-scoring game compared to what we had this last week against the Rams. I'm going Seahawks 32 over the Panthers with 24. So a high-scoring game. Yeah. All right. My prediction, I have Carolina with 20 points and Seattle with 28. But my caveat on this is we get a defensive stop to win the game. You'd love to see it, especially if it if it needs to happen. Uh, this is something we've already seen once this year. Obviously, last week, Cody Barton did that interception to, to close the game out. Uh, it'd be nice to see again. Maybe Kobe Bryant can get his first official interception of the year. Yeah, I'd be fine with another forced fumble. But I think the defense steps up, be it a fourth down stop, turnover. I think, I think this is a pivotal point in the season, specifically for the defense. They started horrible. They did well. Now we're starting to dip again. I think if the defense has another bad outing, it's going to linger with us for the rest of the season. I think they need to step up this game in order to get momentum to push us through the end of the season and into the playoffs. Yeah, certainly if we lose this game because of issues on defense again, it's it's going to be hard seeing the Seahawks still make the playoffs with the upcoming schedule that we have because uh, we've got three, three bruisers right after this, back to back to back. Uh, with the uh, Jets, Kansas City Chiefs, and the San Francisco 49ers. So, uh, yeah, we, we need to win this week. We should win this week. I think we're the better team. Uh, but we're going to have to play. we got to come to play. And there you have it. 
This has been the Let's Talk Seahawks podcast. Thank you for listening to our week 14 preview episode for our game against the Carolina Panthers. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Hawks. Go Hawks.